Hello and welcome to episode number 34 of the Terminal Talk Model Railroad Podcast. I am your host, Tom Conboy, and I'm excited to introduce a new podcast. I'm still going to be keeping this one here, but I'm going to have a new one now featuring micro model railroads. I'm going to be doing this with my co-host, Ian Holmes, and I'm just going to replay for episode 34 here today the new recording I have with Ian on our introduction to Cartel Conversations. And I'll have a link in this uh, blog post for show notes that you can find. And you'll find that at terminaltalk1.blogspot.com. Hope you enjoy it and hope you subscribe. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the return of the Micro Model Railroad Cartel podcast. I am your host, Tom Conboy, and joining me tonight, my co-host, who is the required six feet away. Actually, he's a whole lot farther away than six feet, is... Ian Holmes, and we're discussing this over Skype tonight. Ian, how you doing? I am doing great tonight, Tom. It's really nice to be chatting with you about uh, about micromodel railroads. It's something we've not done in the longest time. I think I'm going to have a good time tonight. Yep, me too. And it's hard to believe it's been eight years since we recorded our last one. I just didn't realize it'd been that long until you contacted me and said, hey, we haven't done one in eight years. So I thought, yeah, it's a good time to do it. Don't have anything else to do right now because of the uh, quarantine <laughs> with the coronavirus. And I've noticed that's something with model railroaders. They're doing the same thing. I mean, I'm seeing a lot of work on Facebook. People, you know, are stuck at home and can't get out. And I'm seeing a lot of excellent modeling. I've been seeing uh, several things being posted on the, uh, the cartel Facebook page. We're looking and we're finding ways to devote our time to to new projects, maybe finishing up some old ones. Um, I'm not. I haven't been doing any of those old ones that I need to. But but a lot of people are, and a lot of people are doing new projects. So that's really good to see. We were thinking with the shutdown and everybody, a lot of places locked down, this would be a great time to record a podcast. And we want to share some ideas. We want to share enthusiasm with all of you. And maybe you'll want to reach out and share your ideas with us too. So Ian, I'm going to ask what you've been up to lately. What have I been up to? Well, I'll tell you what, it's been such a long, long time that uh, I think before we go any further, we should actually remind ourselves what a micro layout really is. You know, to quote the late Carl Arndt, who uh, popularized the concept, uh, micro layouts are small model railroads, usually less than three or four square feet in area, that nonetheless have a clear purpose and excellent operating capability. Now, it's the size, the four square feet maximum that's important. Lately, there have been some people, uh, websites and even magazines that are passing off layouts bigger than four square feet as micro. And in some cases, the a lot bigger than four square feet. You know, back in the day when we did those first podcasts eight years ago, micro layout design and operation was huge. I mean, people came up with all kinds of ideas. Some were serious, some were whimsical, some were just plain crazy, you know. Do, do you remember the layout suggestion that was built about a person, about a layout built on a person's cast for their broken leg? I mean... <laughs> It was, wow. it was, it was, it was a wonderful time. It was an exciting time. You know, all the layouts were like designed were like way under four square feet. You know, we tried every method known to compress larger layouts into ever smaller spaces. You know, traverses, sector plates, train tables, storage cassettes, and fiddlestick. These things all came to the fore in the uh, early days of micro layouts. I mean, there's pizza layouts, layouts in shoe boxes, IKEA snap boxes. Uh, 
appa boxes you know and i've been feeling like lately that the idea of the true micro seems to have died away and we need to get back to being more creative again i mean there's people out there right now building layouts in christmas wrapping paper storage boxes and that kind of thing really excites me but while we were getting ready for this show no more than 90 minutes before you called me to start this podcast recording i had an idea for a true micro layout in 16 millimeter scale i mean i can't share too many details right now because i need to iron a few things out but could be a showstopper this layout i'm really excited about it and if i'd thought about it two weeks ago well i would have been building it instead of the layout i'm working on right now now let's not talk about the layouts that i'm not building let's talk about the layouts that i've built i mean i've built more layouts than i care to remember right now i mean like i say when i was preparing for the podcast i trawled through my archives you know some of them were good and some of them well some of them weren't very good at all there were some ikea appa box layouts you know do you remember back then the, the appa box was barely even a thing when we last podcasted and now it's led on to a whole new avenue of model railroad stuff and uh, we'll talk a bit about that later you know i still have my uh, nowhere mining which was a double oho scale combined layout that was one of my first appa box layouts and that worked on the theory of like in england you always saw that building kits or locomotive kits were like labeled as double oho was like they could be used for both scales the English double O scale and the American HO scale. So I thought, let's build a layout that can be used for both. And I built the layout, a mining, a mine loading feature. And I took it to the world's greatest hobby show in St. Paul five or six years ago. And it's a two day show. So on day one, I operated it as an English layout. And then overnight, I changed the signs on the layout. And on day two, I operated it as an American layout. It seemed to work really well. So that was one of my layouts. I still have Pure Spring Watercrest, the GN15 layout. I took that to the National Narrow Gauge Convention in Minneapolis a couple of years ago, and that went down really well there. And I got a lot of uh, positive feedback from like Bob Brown, who asked me to submit an article to the Narrow Gauge and Shortline Gazette, which, of course, I haven't done yet. But there we go. There's, that's something else I can do during lockdown. But uh, that layout now had to be retired because it barely barely made it through the end of that show for the mysterious short circuit started to develop and all that so and it's now well and truly retired that layout i haven't got the heart to break it up or anything like that so but i've still got other layouts there's my double o scale british railways lincolnshire branch line terminus which i've been running quite well over the past few shows it's been to i've been really happy with that and it's now moving on to the next stage of development being put into a display cabinet because airing on the side of now putting all my layouts in cabinets because it's easy to store them if, if they're all boxed away so and the latest layout which was spurred on into development by the coronavirus crisis is the cuddle shale oil company tramway fair mouthful there calling it but it's built around principle called slot so single length of track it's just the layout is four feet long and it's got one length of track on it the way the original designer worked the process out there's a lot of interesting switching and moving around of stock on it to be loaded and unloaded at various locations on this single length of track i'm very excited about this it's um 
I think it's really going to be quite good. So I'm working towards getting that ready for the uh, for the fall. I've got a show that I usually go to in St. Cloud, Minnesota, and I'm going to take it there. You know, and then, then somewhere in the midst of all this, we, my wife and I moved house, which included downsizing from like 1,800 square feet to 950. That really like makes me. you appreciate <laughs> yeah yeah this that, that downsizing that size really makes you appreciate the uh, the advantages of micro layouts because uh, if i'd had a big layout in that old house you know it would have had to have gone but uh, because i got micros that easily box up there's a great advantage to be had there and let's not forget tom that we we also met i mean last year we met and it was nothing to do with model railways that's right it was when you were rallying down here that was a hundred acre wood rally i believe that's what it's called isn't it that's it yeah yeah post i just put that on my facebook page you message me and say wait wait you're coming down here i only live half an hour from you i'm gonna come and that's see right you. <laughs> yeah we were gonna do that again so, this year but it got canceled yeah. because of the virus so we didn't get to uh, do that <laughs> <laughs> nope. So we, we will just have to look forward to doing it next year. That's right. Well, as you can all tell, Ian's built quite a few micro layouts. Unlike Ian, unfortunately, I've only completed one micro layout in the last, I guess I started about eight years ago when we started this, the cartel blog group. I've tried many, uh, but most of them never got past the planning stage. Uh, some of them, uh, I started building the baseboard, and I've got one baseboard for my storage yard that I've had. It's been sitting in storage a good five years now. Not even interested in getting it pulled out, but, you know, you learn each time you start, and each time you start to build one, you think, hey, it looks good on paper, then you start trying to build it, and it may not hold your interest. Being an American modeler, and Ian, I know you're American as well, but you're also British, and Mm -hmm. with that, you know, in England, it seems that the micros are much more popular, whereas in America, it's this idea, you you know, it's not a layout unless it's, you know, fills a room or fills a basement. Yeah. And I have to say that the challenge for me with micros is getting something to fit in the footprint of that four square feet that has a realistic look, but, you know, is still operable and still you can operate on it. You can, mm-hmm. you know, switch cars. And that's the thing that I did with my Wetterow Food Services micro layout and that's the one I completed. It's still around, and I'm going to talk about that a little bit here in just a moment. I had planned on going to some train shows this year, but of course, all the train shows around here are pretty much canceled, and I don't know of any in the future because, you know, with the way everything's talking, it, they probably are not going to happen. So I'm sitting back with it, doing a lot of armchair modeling myself. I've got my GN15 layout, which Ian, of course, it was your work in that that got the the bug bit me on that one as you were sharing that. It's my Westcott Mine and Mill Railway that uh, I've got at the scenery stage right now. But I, it's, I'm sitting here looking at it right now, and I started applying plaster cloth and and starting the scenery work, and I just cannot motivate myself <laughs> to get. I, I don't like I don't like the plaster work. I like the painting. I like the uh-huh. the you know the foam, the grasses, and when you're doing all that scenery stuff. But it's that base work you got to do before you get to there. And I just I just don't feel like working with sculpt mold or plaster right now. So <laughs> I'm making excuses, and I know it. But uh, oh, um, the thing that I liked about the Wetterout Food Services micro layout was um, Professor Kleisler, who uh, is a gentleman out of Australia, who is one that was really a big proponent of micro layouts. 
as I started listening to him on Model Rail Radio, I uh, I started getting interested in building a baseboard out of phone core. And I believe it was Chris Ellis that designed a clipboard method. And that's the one I used to build it. And I have to tell you, this year, the actual baseboard uh, turned six years old. The finish layout, I finished in 2016. So the finish layout is already four years old. Mm-hmm. And I have to say that even made out of phone core, I have very minimal warping. The pieces still fit together. All of the clipboard connectors I have are still holding up. I've taken it to two train shows. Uh, I've had it boxed up. It's boxed up in my closet right now. It's holding up. And I tell you, I've been very pleased with that method. Uh, It's lightweight. I can set that thing up, have trains, engines, locos running on it in about 15 minutes. And I'm usually tore down when all the big layouts are still boxing their rolling stock and their locomotives up. I'm already boxed up, heading out the door, waving at them and said, see you next year. So that's one of the things that I really, really liked about it. But of course, uh, uh, I planned on a train show this year and it was already canceled. And of course, they have the um, NMRA convention was supposed to be in St. Louis this year. It's been canceled. And the narrow gauge convention is supposed to be here this year in September, I believe. And I'm expecting that to probably get canceled. So I was hoping to use that maybe as a as a incentive to get my GN15 layout finished, so maybe I could take it to the narrow gauge convention. I don't think that's going to happen. So <laughs> we'll we'll see what happens there. I even went out in the garage. I uh, bought an Apple box from IKEA a couple of years ago, and I mean I've been hoarding this thing because I know they don't make them anymore. Okay, I'm sure no. you might be able to no. find some out there. It's still in the shrink wrap. I haven't even opened it because it's just like I'm waiting for that inspiration to build that. So I've gotten it <laughs> off the shelf, and it's now sitting in the middle of my garage on one of my workbenches, and I'm just trying to make up my mind what I want to put in it. So I've been going on Google Maps. I've been looking in industrial areas, in the St. Louis areas, just, you know, track arrangements, just to get some kind of inspiration. And I'm being really picky here. I've got a little analysis paralysis right now, but you know what? It's mm-hmm. fun doing the research. So it's, it's oh, not yeah. a bad thing. But speaking mm-hmm. of Apple boxes, Ian, I want you to talk a little bit more about that. Oh, yeah. Okay. The uh, Yeah, the Apple box. I mean, that was barely even a thing when we uh, podcasted last. I mean, I was thinking, I was, I was checking my records and yeah it's it seemed like i bought my first one back in the winter of 2011 or in yeah in like december of 2011 or something no it couldn't have been december because there'd been too much christmas shopping going on and i would have remembered that but uh, yeah so it was in the winter of 2011 2012 and uh you know i'd previously built some built layout on some of the ikea snack boxes which were like the precursor to the apple box they were like about ooh, i don't know what about 17 by 10 and were about 10 inches deep and uh they were really quite interesting to work with but uh those went out of uh, fashion just as i wanted to buy some more and that's when i saw the apple box i mean the apple box is like 28 by 14 by 11 and I saw this and I thought, my, because the Apple box is supposed to be a toy box. And I saw these and I thought, saw the way they went together. And I, I thought, well, good Lord, you could probably build a layout in this. And so well, technically I presented it is a toy box. 
because you yeah. are building a toy model. So anyway, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'll let you go on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, so yeah, I presented the idea to the uh, Natterbox. So that's the GN15 forum. And uh, all of a sudden, the whole world went crazy for them. You know, there was I remember that there was even a group in Germany, a modular group of model railroaders who built a huge modular layout in ON30 using them. And um, so I was really amazed with that. And uh, construction method of the boxes, of course, the flat pack method meant that you had to solve a few problems to get them to join together in multiples you know and some of my early efforts at that were really quite dicey in fact one of the first apple box layout i ever bought ever built appeared in my facebook memories just today and i was looking at that and i was looking at the method that i used to join the baseboards together and i'm going like good grief it's a wonder the thing stayed together but uh, to, by the time I built my last, my final app, box layout, which was September, October of last year, I'd really got the um, the joining between the fiddle yards and the baseboard. I'd really got that quite down and I was really pleased with the way these were going. So, and of course, the app box now, it's like you say, it's discontinued. But what it has done, it's given rise to the uh, the baseboard kit. These are a huge thing now, especially in the UK. You know, several cottage industries making them. They're laser cut from MDF, medium density fiberboard, so that all the parts are the same size. Everything is square and, you know, you can put the thing together and just a couple of spots of glue. Bang. There you go. You've got a uh, firm quality baseboard uh, tim horn i think is probably the most well-known one over in the uk but there like i say there are many many others uh, in the usa i think it's a different thing at uh, the ones that i found are it's at masterpiecemodules.com and modelrailroadbenchwork.com both of those companies seem to specialize in kits for the modular concepts like freemo n track and t track but it might be worth checking them out to see what they do have and i think model railroad benchwork does have a greater variation of sizes than masterpiece modules but uh check them out and see what you what you can find yeah i've noticed a lot of those kits on facebook i've been seeing more posts especially the real small ones i think those are the ones you get from the uk but, uh, i have taken a look at those websites and looked at some of the different options and i think they have at uh, modelrailroadbenchwork.com i believe they have one that goes down to 12 inches by 12 inches if i'm correct if my memory serves me correctly there what i'm going to do is i'm going to uh post some links that ian mentioned here on the blog post and i'm going to put that in our podcast uh the episode link or the episode this episode here uh and that'll be on the uh the micro model railroad blog page and you can find that at mmrrc.blogspot.com ian what are your thoughts on using concept sketches for layout planning I know you use them several times with your micro layout planning. And I also know, though, that people sometimes think I got to be an artist to do sketching. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? Uh, yeah, well, um, the thing is, I've always drawn sketches of how I see the layout. I don't give it a second thought. And when people like say to me, oh, I wish I could draw like that. And, you know, it's like I just don't 
think anything of it but it's it's just the way i the way i work you know the way things often start for me with a micro is that uh this is going to sound really weird you know but i get a feel for something you know it's like i i don't want to call it a vision but you know i'll see something in my mind's eye you know it might have come from a photograph that i saw like weeks or months or maybe even years ago you know and something or let's call it a feel a feel just gets in my in my brain and i have to i have to get it down on paper oh on paper or even on my ipad you know just as long as i get that recorded but i mean i don't want anybody to think that these sketches that i'm doing at that level are any good no they're not i mean i was doing one earlier on and it looks like a spider crawling up the empire state building to be honest but i know what that drawing means to me so i can see something in it that uh, other people might not so what i would say to anybody who has doubts about their drawing skills it's like you know don't be put off by what you see from the really talented layout visualizers you know the people that i grew up looking at their sketches and thinking wow i wish i could do that people like roy link and uh, ian c rice and lately paul lunn as well i think uh you know we all start off with really sketchy sketches that you can't really tell what's what's what with them but, but i mean there are plenty of tutorials out there on youtube that'll teach you the basics of of perspective drawing and that's that's all you need you know just search for perspective drawing on on youtube you know the sketch only needs and Ian, to be i want to just sorry and i didn't mean to yeah. interrupt you there but I, I, when you were talking about that with uh, basis of perspective you know i i know a lot of schools here in the united states don't have art classes as much anymore as they used to mm -hmm. uh, when i was growing up we you know that was a basic thing we had those yeah but basic perspective i it, it's pretty simple i mean you yeah. really don't have to have artistic ability to do that and that perspective really helps capture that look mm -hmm. it may not be a scale model but it really does it gives you that visualization that's what you're looking for yeah that's it that's all that's all you need you know it's like if there's nobody teaching it in schools you know there are loads of tutorials on YouTube, you know, I found some really simple ones. All you need is simple one point, maybe even two point perspective. And it's really easy. And you don't have to draw a masterpiece. Just draw boxes with pointy roofs on them. That's enough to give you a feel, you know, all just a tool when it comes down to it. You know, you can then follow it up with a scale model or a mock up, you know, but but drawing on a piece of paper, you know, it's a great start. And you know what? It takes up the least room of all. And also, there's something really cathartic. If you're drawing on a piece of paper and you don't like what you're doing, it's really cathartic to like screw the piece of paper up and throw it in the bin. You know, it works great I do that for a me. Lot, yeah. By the way, <laughs> <laughs> and, and and here's something else. The great thing, if you use an iPad app, which I I use a lot. If you use an iPad app, you can actually cheat a lot using those. You know, you see if if you're on the internet and you see a building a photograph of a building you think oh i like that take a screenshot drop it into your drawing app on your ipad you know trace it and then draw trace over it and then draw your layout your track plan around it a lot of people say well you guys are artists but i have found that even just something very basic uh even if you can't i can't draw figures 
So you oh. know what I do? I just put little stick figures in. Yeah. Uh, I just do something to kind of give a concept of what I'm doing. I'm not trying to draw something to where I can put it in a museum. I'm just drawing something as a reference so I can visualize right. what I'm trying to capture in the layout. Yeah. And I think people need it. Like I said, YouTube is an excellent resource. And there are all kinds of instructional videos. I use those instructional videos for my own artwork. And they're, mm -hmm. they're wonderful, useful tools. Yeah. Like I said earlier, the only person the drawing needs to please is yourself. That's right. You know, that is it. Yeah. So don't well, give and don't don't anybody be bothered about producing a masterpiece because only you need to know what that drawing means. And speaking of other tools, the use of mockups. And one of the things that I've done, I've done this with my uh, my current uh, GN15 layout here, the Westcott Mine and Mill Railway. I did it with my uh, Wetterow Food Services. Is actually building a, I guess, one-to-one mock-up. What I did was I just lay out the track. I measure out on, you know, either on a table or if I've got some foam core board. I just go and measure out what my baseboard size is going to be, and I just start setting up track on it. The thing I like about foam mm -hmm. core. When I set it up that way, and listen, you can use foam core for planning. You can use homosote or plywood or whatever you like to use for your baseboard after you do your planning stage. But push pins, map pins work excellent for holding track in place. That's what I did with my uh, Wetterow Food Services. And it gives you that visual look of whether something's going to fit. I have a maybe a structure kit I have in mind. I've, I've got a lot of old structure kits that are still sitting in the box. Sometimes I'll pull one of those out and I'll tack glue it together. I don't need to have all the detailed mm -hmm. parts. I'll just put it together real basic. And then I'll set it up on my uh, baseboard that I have the track on. Will the building fit? Or better yet, you can use cardstock or you can use foam core board and make simple mock-ups. I think, Ian, you're doing that right now, aren't you, on the cuddle? Oh, yes. Yeah. You, you start with the sketch. Yeah. And that it's a natural progress for me from the sketch to a 3d mock-up in fact it sometimes it gets a little bit much you know it's like i had the um two major structures on the cuddle layout you know and i was messing with the size relationship between the two buildings i got like a small store and i've got the big production factory unit and i was looking at the small store and i was looking at how big i had to make the door for the my tallest locomotive to go through and i was playing the height of that door off against the height of that building and because this building is so small i then had to look at the size relationship between the small store and the big production unit and yeah i was like adding inches and taking inches away and making the building taller a little small i was going crazy but it it's all part of the process for me 3d mock-ups are really uh, are as much a part of the design for me as sketching. Absolutely. And another thing, too, and I've done this as well with my layouts, and I'm doing it right now on a current layout. It's not a micro, but it's my current layout, is you can take cardstock and have photo images printed out on them. You can mm -hmm. use the cardstock. I see wonderful cardstock modelers. I think um, Ed Traxler has done a lot of work with, uh, yeah. with cardstock. And then you have also, you can laminate them to... A foam core board. That's what I've done on one of my factory buildings on my bedroom layout that I have in my train room. It works wonderful. So even using a, a mock-up, a mock-up can turn into a finished model that's on your bench work. Yeah, yeah, it's it's all part of the natural flow. You know, you've 
because you made that building while you were designing the layout, you know it fits, you know it fits how you want it to fit. So you can't be anything but happy with it, really. Absolutely. Well, I don't know about you, but after that last little bit of discussion, I'm well and truly fired up now, and I, I hope you all are. You know, micro layouts is a great, exciting part of the model railway hobby to be in you know we hope you've uh, enjoyed our little uh, our little discourse right now you know you can uh, you can check out the micro model railroad cartel on facebook and blogger you know just search for the micro model railroad cartel but uh, in closing i just like to urge you wherever possible at these times like to buy local you know, go to your local lumber yard Use your local hardware store for glues, knife blades, cork sheet or tiles for track underlay. You know, even foam core board. You know, I mean, my I live in a small town and I've got a wonderful hardware store. I find I couldn't believe what I could find in there. You know, and these right now, these family run businesses, they really need your custom. And uh, so just get out there and help them, you know. I feel safer going into my local hardware store where I see the same people every day than I would do going into a big DIY store to get my wood and uh, and glues and stuff like that. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. No, so, yeah, we, with the end. <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. It's OK. Yeah. We hope we fired up your enthusiasm again. We've given you some ideas. So if you want the Red Cartel podcast to become a regular thing, drop us a line. See what we can do. You can contact us at our Facebook group or by emailing us at microcartel at AOL.com. On Facebook, just look for the Micro Model Railroad Cartel Group. We want to thank you all for listening tonight. We also want to take this time to thank all of the doctors, nurses, and essential workers who have given so much of their time during this time of crisis. I'm sure some of you who are in those fields are model railroaders. We want to thank all of you. Those who even are not involved in model railroading, we want to thank you as well. Thanks for everything you've done. Stay safe, everyone. That's going to do it for this episode of the podcast. I want to thank you all for listening and hope you tune back in in a later date for the next episode of the Terminal Talk Model Railroad Podcast. Thanks for listening.